good. <laughs> He's good. <coughs> We've been doing this longer than you've been alive. Propelled by some mysterious drive. And they still let me do it as weird as that seems. And I do it most nights and then again in my dreams. Infinite hallways and giant hotels. Dressing room looks about as good as it smells. Bottles of whiskey, bottles oh, ver- of beer. Verse two. <laughs> There's a bottle of medicine somewhere around here. Who is that? Old 97s. Okay. I never heard this song before. I was like... I love the old love Run Miller, love the old ninety sevens, but I feel like that about baking. I've been doing it longer than anyone I teach or work with who's been alive. So, uh, hi and welcome to the Harder Brunch Podcast. I'm your host, Dyke Michaels. With me is my co-host, Thaddeus J. McKee. Donda, Donda, Donda. <laughs> <laughs> On the ones and twos, the wheels of steel, the sauce boss of Indianapolis, and the last white dragon. Give it up for the sauce lord, Zach. Those wings, wonk. Hey. <laughs> I thought we were doing noises. Uh, just just loud sounds. Yep. I was just and, doing albums. A, oh my goodness. It's gonna be a long this is gonna be a long episode. Awesome. Uh very special guest with us in studio. Uh Chef Cindy Hawkins. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Now, Chef, uh full disclosure to everyone, you were my baking and pastry instructor in culinary school. Really? We will not hold that against you. Uh <laughs> Um. Yeah, you were you were uh, inst- long time ago. Yeah how 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 long have you been a, a instructor for? Um, gosh, probably on, on the pastry side, probably about twelve, thirteen years. Um, I quit about a year and a half ago, right before COVID. I, I quit teaching full time. Mm. So, but you've been doing it for between like Art Institute and yeah. uh, Ivy, Ivy Tech. Tech. Yeah, anywhere else in there? Nope, just at my shop, just private classes and group mm-hmm. classes at my shop. Thanks. My undergrad degree is in teaching, and then I never taught until I went into pastry like 20 years later. Oh, for real? Yeah. What was your, what was your undergrad? Just, just. I, I went to Butler for elementary education with an endorsement in Gifted and Talented. Okay. And while student teaching, which I loved, I had two great experiences, but I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And my advisor freaked out on me when I told him I didn't want to be a teacher. And then I ended up in grad school, came back, and worked completely outside of the industry um, full-time and then part-time in the industry. But, um, yeah, it was 20-some-odd years after I got my teaching degree that I started teaching. Now, were you a person, like, I've always said, like, I'm not an academic. Like, I don't enjoy writing papers and, and stuff like that. Um, was that um, it for you, or did you just, what was it about, like, what dis- you decided you didn't want to be a teacher? I, it just wasn't my calling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, everything about it I loved. I loved my experiences. I, I was in Carmel for one and Washington Township for another, and... My student teaching was absolutely phenomenal, and I was with great cooperating teachers. It just I knew that that wasn't what I was supposed to do at that point in my life. So, so when did when did the uh, baking and pastry pop into your life? I don't know, but it was I, crazy life decisions. Um, I've always baked. We were talking mm. about this earlier. I, I've always baked since I was a kid. You know, I grew up in a scratch baking family. My mom, my grandma, um, like if you had a girlfriend spend the night, we would walk down to my grandma's and make pies. Um, that was just what we did. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know. And again, I'm, I'm old. So I didn't grow up in the day of a grocery store aisle full of cake mixes. Yeah. So I didn't know that existed. The only cake mix I knew existed was angel food cake. Cause my mom wouldn't separate eggs. Mm. So I, I didn't know that you could cheat and do those things. 
Um, so we've always, you know, always baked. And then when I was working in the alumni office at Butler, I was everyone's baker and we had a mm-hmm. pitch in and people would put in their requests for things. And, um, and really it was after grad school when I started really pursuing baking and just kind of really accidentally fell into it. Everything that's happened has sort of been by accident, a good accident, but yeah, by accident. That see, I, I grew up with my grandma always cooking and baking <laughs> and doing stuff, but I was... Uh, not so much uh, invited to be part of it. Like uh, when I was, one of my earliest memories was, I think being like five years old or something. And my grandparents worked during the day. My mom worked at night. We all lived in the same house. Okay. So my grandparents would set me up like a little breakfast and I'd watch like Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. And my mom would be asleep in the other room. I don't think you can do that with kids nowadays, but I th- that, that's the way <laughs> they used to do it. My mom was in the house, but right. she was... You know, she'd wake up at like, you know, nine or 10 or whatever. Uh, So there would be some unsupervised time where I was supposed to be just watching TV. uh, But I got bored one time and I, you know, see my grandma bake a bunch. So I climbed up on the counter and I just started pulling ingredients out and mixing them in a dog dish. This is your first time cooking? Yeah, I was one of my first, well... Um, it was not well received by the family when they got back. <laughs> well, cooked in the dog, but you know, mixing the dog dish might have kind of thrown them off yeah. a little bit. I didn't know what I was cooking. I was trying to cook something, uh, but then yeah, I don't remember like being invited to like cook with my yeah. family until until later. We always baked. You know, my actually the sugar cookies we make at our shop is the cookie I learned how to bake with. You know, we we've been making those since we were little kids and. Even when I was in college, my sister and I were both at Butler at the same time. She was a year ahead of me. And my mom would ship down to us um, sugar cookies for, like, Valentine's. She'd send the hearts. And mm-hmm. at, uh, Halloween, she'd send the pumpkins with, like, yeah. little sugar babies for little jack lantern faces, you know. And everyone knew when the boxes arrived. And people you hadn't seen in a while appeared in your room because they wanted the sugar cookies, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But we, we've we always done that. And, <clears throat> like I said, I didn't realize that there were ways to cheat back, But you know, when I was, when I was younger because – we just never did that. You know, you mm-hmm. made pie dough, you made cookie dough, you made whatever. And, and none of it was fancy stuff. You know, I'm not from this hoity-doity background by any way, shape, yeah. or form. And so it was just basic kind of baking. I mean, um, nothing nothing fancy. But, but it's funny when you say that because my mom didn't work. So when we were kids, all we wanted was cereal for breakfast. Mm-hmm. But my mom would make, like, biscuits or French toast or pancakes or something. And you, you wanted cereal, but you had to eat this beautifully baked fresh stuff, but yeah. you're like, man, all I wanted was some freaking Fruit Loops, yeah, you know? See what's and on, you're what's so bummed. On, what's yeah. on the TV? <laughs> yeah. The only time we got to have cereal was on Saturday mornings watching cartoons. You could have cereal, and that was it. So <coughs> when do you go from, you know, a person who bakes to a classically trained <laughs> uh, a French uh, pastry chef? Um, for me, it was just really, like I said, sort of by accident. I um, brought my husband, Roger, as a chef and was working at um, Wolfgang Puck's. And I was out of the industry. I wasn't waiting tables or bartending anymore. I was just working full-time professionally at Butler and um, not working a second job for the first time. It was awesome. And um, Roger, they had their first New Year's Eve service coming up at Wolfgang Puck's at the IMA. And um, he really wanted to work it but felt bad ditching me for New Year's. So he came home and he goes, hey, I've got a great idea. And I was like, oh, what's this going to cost us? What, what, do you, what do you have an idea for? And he says, well, if I work... Um, New Year's New Year's service. What if you hung out with the pastry chef for New Year's? And I, Whoa. he was like, "You're either going to be mad or you're going to love this." And I was like, "That would be awesome." So I just spent. I literally worked an eleven and a half hour shift just for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, we live real close to the IMA, so 
Um, you know, I was home right before midnight, but I actually worked a longer shift than he did that night. And I was working with the pastry chef doing all their desserts for, for New Year's service and did some of the plate up and, and just had a blast. And when I was done, he, the pastry chef Kirkland, he says, so when do you want to start? <clears throat> and I was like, well, no, this wasn't a tryout. I'm not looking to work a part-time job anymore. I'm, I'm right. back to one solid job. I'm good. Yeah. And um, I couldn't quit thinking about it. And I just, I went home and I just kept thinking about working in the kitchen and, um, and I'd always been, like I said, a front of the house. I was server bartender for years from everything from slinging drinks to fine dining and, um, just kept thinking about it. So I finally was like, Hey Raj, just see what, what they're looking for. So I would go in on Sundays and just do brunch prep. Pucks did a really nice Sunday brunch. And so I would, you know, make creme brulee and make Ooh. mousses and, you know, bread pudding custard and things like that. And, um, uh, and then it kind of slowed down. They didn't really need the extra hands. So I went ahead and was like, I'll, I'll quit coming in. You don't need to worry mm. about me. I'm, I'm good. And then the chef, Brad Gates, at the time had quit. And our, a real good friend of ours, John Michael Joy, was coming on as, as pastry chef. Or I'm sorry, as the executive chef. And we were out having a beer with them. And Roger had mentioned that I had worked pastry there part-time. And he said, oh, you should come back. A real good friend of mine's moving down from Chicago to take over the pastry chef position. Um, you should start working with him. You'd learn a ton from him. Well, it was Peach Muddy. So Pete um, came down as the pastry chef, and I started working again part-time for him. And then, um, and he was showing me a lot of stuff. He, you know, he was the first person who taught me macarons. And um, I will always remember this cake he did called Marjolaine. And I just just was enthralled by everything he was teaching me. But what's the Marjolaine? Marjolaine, it's, a, it's an entremet. It's a, a lot of different layers. And honestly, I can't remember all the different parts to it. But um, I think there's like a hazelnut decoit, and I don't really remember, but I just was yeah. impressed with watching him do this. Um, so a, a group of friends and my mom, my sister, and a group of college friends, we would meet in Chicago every year to go shopping around Christmas. And I told him we were headed down on this one day to go shopping. He says, well, while you're there, you should swing by the French pastry school. It's where I went to school. You'll love it. It's a cool place. So it was down to my mom, my sister, and then my college roommate and her mom. And we went and took a tour. And I was sold. I'm just like, sign me up. So she and I went and took a class in January of that year. Um, it would have been 2007, I think. Um, took a three-day uh, French um, pedophores class. So macarons, madeleines, coconut rochers, opera cake, things like that. And it was just amazing. And I went back the following July and just did a French entremet and tart class. And the, the instructor is a pastry chef named Bob Hartwig. And he was like, why aren't you in our program? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I live in Chicago and I'm married to, I mean, I live in Indianapolis, I'm married to a chef. And he's like, oh, I get it. So I came home and I told Roger what he had said, and I didn't think anything else of it. Yeah. And the next night we're sitting on our patio having dinner, and we're probably two bottles of wine into dinner. And Roger says, all right, I've got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. Like, you have what figured out? He says, all right, I'm going to transfer to Pucks in Chicago. We live right off Butler's campus. We'll rent the house out for six months. You're going to go to the French pastry school. And I don't like change. I'm not a yeah. I'm not a change on a dime kind of person. And I was pissed. I was like, this is stupid. That is the dumbest <laughs> thing ever. And I threw an empty wine bottle in the front yard. And I'm like, I'm going to bed. We're and done. I packed up and I went to bed. And then I, at the time, I was working for Community Health Networks as the volunteer director for Community East. And the whole next day, I sat in my office. And I was on the French Pastry School's website. And I'm looking everything up. And I couldn't quit thinking about it. So I called up Roger. And I'm like, all right, I can't, I can't quit thinking about this. And he said, well, apply. What do you have to lose? So I applied, I got in, and I, I did. I quit my job at the end of December of that year, and um, we went down to Key West for my dad's wedding for New Year's, and literally the day we got home, we moved me to Chicago. And I spent the next six months semi-commuting between Indianapolis and Chicago. And then Brad Gates, who was the um, executive chef at Pucks when we were there originally, um, he was the new opening chef, or the chef for the new newly opening Bugs Temple. Mm-hmm. So he hired, you know, Roger was going to be one of the sous chefs, and he hired me as pastry chef, completely unqualified, 
Um, and I started working there, and I semi-commuted to Chicago for six months. And um, and then when I was finished, I was at that point I had kind of backed into a consulting position for them. I wasn't really working on site for them anymore. Um, so we, I was working on a friend's catering kitchen, Matt Mills Mills Catering. So I was working in his kitchen, and I would do work for Bugs Temple and the cafe and stuff. And just decided to see what happened, and and everything has happened since. So wow, yeah, it was completely not. This was never my plan. Right. I don't know why, but I guess I just always assumed that you guys met as chefs. No. And I was like, a bartender and he was a food runner <laughs> when we first met. Yeah, he he always loves to tell a story that, um, you know, he, he's got his undergraduate degree from Berea in history and wasn't really sure what he was doing with himself either. And so he was working as a food runner at the Hollywood and they, um, they had a position open in the kitchen and it paid a dollar an hour or more. <laughs> so he, he he'll joke that he lowered himself to go work in the kitchen to make a dollar an hour more. Yeah. And then John Michael, that guy who was later the chef at Puck's, um, was working there part time just to um, try to earn some extra money. He wanted to go back to New Orleans and work. He was classically trained French chef, mm-hmm. and he um, wanted to go back to New Orleans. So he was working a bunch of part time jobs trying to make some money to move back down. And Roger was cutting an onion. He was just butchering it. And John Michael just real politely was like, "If you want, I can show you how to do that right." And Roger's like, yeah, teach me. And the minute John Michael kind of showed him how to cut an onion, like something clicked in his brain. And he was like, oh, my gosh, I got to I got to do this. And he started Ivy Tech's culinary program at that time. And then um, shortly on after got a job at Snacks with Steve Oakley and never finished the program at Ivy Tech because he was doing so much with Steve and um, learning so much from Oakley's that he or from something different snacks where he was the cook there that he never ended up finishing up his culinary degree. He took quite a few classes, but never finished the sure. program. So, yeah. My question is, how much cooking is technique? Uh, what? Uh, what do you, I mean, can you elaborate on that a little bit? <laughs> Would you uh, like to bail out of this no, question? No. <laughs> no, you're saying like he, he taught him how to cut an onion. Yeah. If you saw me clicked. cut an onion, you would feel bad for the onion. Okay. <laughs> if you watch my... Roger has... I, I, it's always amazing to me because he has the most amazing knife skills that I've ever seen. And I've worked with a lot of chefs over the years. And part of it, I think, was he when he got into this, he really was serious. And he really, I mean, at first he wasn't. And he got pulled aside at school and they said, do you really want to do this or what? What are you doing? And, he, and they're like, if you want to do this, do this. Um, but like, so he would practice knife skills like all the time. Like I was working in the alumni office at Butler when he started school. And um, I, we were grocery shopping and I said, oh, I need to get some baby carrots to snack on at work. And he says, well, just get regular carrots and I'll cut them down for you. Well, I went into the kitchen and he had cut these perfect little Julian matchsticks. It was like potato yeah. or um, carrot hay. Yeah. Oh, and wow. I was like, how, how do you snack on that? It's like <laughs> not you can pick up a piece and snack on it. It was like, yeah. hey. But I'll tell you, they were perfect. And he w- like really did those kinds of things. So I think there's, you know, I don't cook at all. But um, there's so much technique to cooking, in my opinion, as an outsider, you know, just an eater of awesome food but now here's what i understand because i know a lot of, i always i always think that like people that are baking pastry have like the math and science brain mm-hmm. because it baking is an exact yeah. science uh but i always feel like it's easier to be a baking and pastry person that can cook than it is to be a cook that's good at baking a pastry so we were talking about this earlier i i'm a firm believer of left brain right brain mm-hmm. um so left brainers are like me, and I am as far left brain as they come. I'm a math science person. I like um, roadmaps, reasons why, logic. There has to be an explanation for everything. Mm-hmm. I don't. My husband uses the term blue sky. I don't blue sky. I don't big picture think. 
I'm a detail person. I can execute anything you give me. Yeah. Don't ask me to come up with the idea. He, and, and I think most cooks are far right brain. He's a musician. He's a poet. He's a writer. He's a guitar player, um, video gamer, mm -hmm. creative person, always yeah. big picturing. He'll always come yeah. to me and say, not so much the details. <laughs> none, no details at all. He'll come to me and he'll say, I got this idea. And I'm always, I was the mom. It's like, shit. Um, but he'll like, I've been blue skying this idea. And yeah. I hate that phrase just because he uses it a lot. Yeah. And he'll like, I got this idea. And he'll first throw the idea to me. And I typically will be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then the more I think about it, and the more I kind of process as he gives me more information. I mean, even our move to 16 Tech, was we had this exact same experience. I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. I thought this project was ridiculous. And then the more I thought about it, and the more I heard about it, and the more I researched about it, well, it let's, made let's a lot back more this sense. up a little bit for yeah. people that are listening. Sure. Circle City Suites. Yeah. How does that come into to being? Um, when I, when what, I, what is it and how did it come sure. to be? So, Circle City Suites, um, I'm a pastry shop, bread shop. Um, I didn't want to be pigeonholed into a particular product, so we wanted to kind of keep a generic name. Mm. So, that's why we went with Circle City Suites. And actually, our friend Jason, um, we did a we did an email contest of naming our business because I didn't okay. know what to name it because I don't think that way at all. Mm -hmm. So, um, we did this big contest, and whoever we you know took suggestions from tons of people. And whoever's name we picked, you got dessert a year for life. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Wow. So, it ended up being our friend Jason Engelman, who is Roger's best friend from college. And I've known him almost as long as I've known my husband now. But um, Jason came up with Circle City Suites, so he gets dessert every year. Um, although, he just moved to Salt Lake City, so it's going to make it a little harder. But, um, so... Dry ice. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, we... Um, when I first finished school, um, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I, I, we, we, you know, I'd always kept the straight quote unquote straight job. Mm -hmm. So I had the insurance for us. I had the health and the benefits, the retirement, yeah. that kind of stuff. So he could work in the industry and not have to worry about those things. Um, well, the next thing we know, we're both working in the industry full time yeah. and not working for a company or, you know, anyone with benefits and all that kind of good stuff. But, um, so I, I started just working out of Matt's kitchen and I would do, um, I, you know, I, I knew a lot of chefs in town at that point. This was back in 2008. So I was doing like sample packages for people and taking them to different restaurants I knew and um, was licensed to work out of his kitchen and all that kind of good stuff. And, um, and got our first wholesale client, which was Calvin Fletcher's coffee shop. I started, I've been baking mm. for them oh, since really? I opened. Yeah. Um, so as soon as they opened, we've been baking for them ever since and just started picking up things like that. And then um, we opened our first retail location uh, at the city market in 2010 and I'd already been doing farmers markets at that point so I was doing back then I used to do Benford Broadpool and Carmel um, we quit doing Benford a number of years into it but um, we did the farmers markets um, wholesale um, and then opened up at city market um, with just the pastry shop and it was you know really tiny operation my, my mom worked for me full-time and I had another girl Sandy who worked for me and um, and we just slowly started picking up more wholesale clients. Mm -hmm. And luckily for us, we've not had to ever solicit wholesale work. Pretty much everyone we've ever begged for has come to us That's looking great. for us to do work for them. Um, and just kind of grew from there. Then we added the bread shop. You know, shortly after I opened, my husband um, opened up Circle City Soups. Um, a number of years ago, we bought Mile Square Coffee. So we had Mile Square Coffee at City Market. Um, we opened up a Circle City Soups at the Lawrence Ivy Tech Campus. Um, so we ended up with five shops we were running before you know, everything came to a halt in the world a couple right. of years ago. That pandemic. Yes, that darn <laughs> pandemic. Uh, so um, you're now in the, what, what is the official name for the AMP? We're in the AMP. It's Artisan Marketplace, but we're in the AMP at 16 Tech. We moved at the end of February, or at least was up at the end of February at City Market. Um, 
And so, and again, you know, the whole reason we started investigating a different location wasn't pandemic driven. It was actually something Roger had been working on with Craig Baker for about three or four years now. Um, and they came, you know, Craig and he started talking about this project. And um, the biggest thing for us is so much of our Circle City Soups business was driven by city county building employees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 80% of their daily sales were people who worked across the street. Um, for me, again, it's wholesale farmers markets, yeah. weddings, that kind of thing. So the the daily sales weren't my issue so much. Um, but other than things we sold at farmers markets, 80% of our soup sales were city county employees. Well, we found out, you know, they announced that they were opening up a new criminal justice center on the near so- yeah. south side. So that was going to empty out at least a big chunk of the city county building. Mm-hmm. You know, and the city county building has more employees than any other building in the entire state of Indiana. Yeah. So it's a lot of people. Um, so that's what, you know, Roger was like, we really need to start thinking of something else. And I, of course, am thinking, oh, it's years down the road. We got time. And he doesn't, you know, he's yeah. like, no, we have to start thinking about this now. Mm-hmm. So he and Craig were talking about the AMP. And when they first approached me about it, again, I was like, that is the dumbest thing ever. There is nothing out there. It's the middle of nothing. Mm-hmm. Who's going to come by? You know, it just I just thought it sounded ridiculous. And it probably took me a year to even go out to the location to even kind of get an idea of where it was. So who is the customer base? So there's the the tech kind of... Um, it's it's an interesting base. I, again, I've had 16 years of business, so I have I have people coming mm-hmm. from all over. We're very fortunate that we have a really really loyal customer base, and I mean judges and different uh, employees from city county stop by the shop all the time, and I'm floored. You know, a judge will walk in, I'm like, Judge, what are you doing here? It's like, well, I had to get my croissants. Um, <laughs> so it's it, the nice thing is it's five miles up the road. It's straight yeah. up Indiana Avenue from from downtown. So we get a lot of our customer base from my former employer, you know, former customers who have followed us up the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but the um, the Biosciences Research Center is full of the people. Um, the rest of the um, building that we're in is called HQO. There's uh, the machine, which is a makerspace, um, welding, 3D printing workshop space. Um, and then 1776, which is, again, full of offices and, and stuff like that. So we get a lot of folks through there. Um, but our, our daily sales have really rivaled pre-COVID city market sales for, on my side. So That's great. Yeah. That's what you want to hear. I know. I can't complain. I, I have no complaints in the world. So what are you guys doing over there? What's <laughs> going on? Is that a little secret time? We're having secret time. No. You know, this is great. Like, I, you don't think about how much stuff goes into, like, baking. Like, like, like everything that you just described there, no one's thinking that this is, like, the the schedule and and this is, this is awesome. Like I love. I'm a pastry boy. My friends call me pastry. And then, your friends and, call you pastry boy. Mm-hmm. I call him pastry boy all the time. All my I'm friends. going to now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're like, hey, pastry boy, you're falling asleep over there. What were we talking about? <laughs> and Dewey is a he is a fan of the uh, dumpling. I love dumplings. Or like a like a like a peach a cobbler cobbler oh, yeah. peach cobbler. Are you yeah. good at cobblers? We do have a nice cobbler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. This is the one that's her Achilles heel. She can't nail the cobbler. She can't. I'm, I'm about to go get a cobbler right now. Are they open on no, Sunday? So they're not open on Sunday, no. guys. Sorry. We found their uh, their weakling. Yeah, she wouldn't. She she wouldn't be here if they yeah. were open. That's on true. I also, feel like I'm open every day, but yeah. we're not because I'm. Well, that's the. One. I mean, I've been trying to get you on the show forever. Like, I know. you're a you're a you're a busy a busy person. Um, also, I just, I don't think I could ever keep Baker's hours. Like, oh, they suck. You're they up. suck. They They're really mornings. do. Yeah, they suck. Middle of the night, they suck. Middle night and mornings? Yeah, yeah. You know, what's funny is when, when Raj and I were talking about me doing this, and 
Um, you know, I'd been a server bartender for years, and I'm naturally, I was naturally a late person. Mm. Um, you know, when I first started working in the alumni office at Butler, I was so afraid of oversleeping that I would get to work at like quarter to eight. And my boss then decided I must be a morning person. So he scheduled a weekly meeting with me at 8 a.m. <laughs> and it about killed me because I it was hard for me to be up and moving <laughs> and awake and, and ready for a meeting at 8 a.m., yeah. you know? Um, so Roger had said to me, you know, bakers, bakers work really early. And I was like, oh, there's tons of things I can do in the industry that's not, you know, early morning. I can mm-hmm. do restaurant plate up. I can do prep. I, and I was naming all these things I could do. And then I opened my own bakery and sure <laughs> shit. I'm in there. You know, I the, right now the hardest day for me is um, because the farmer's market's on Saturday. Yeah. <clears throat> so I actually go in. Tanya and I both go in at 2 o'clock on, around 2 o'clock on Friday morning. I try to be gone by noon ish so I can be home, finish any last minute paperwork, and in bed because I go back to the shop at nine or nine thirty Friday night, and then I don't stop until I'm done on Saturday. So I go in and I do all the baking for the, um, you know, bake up all the croissants, all the bread, um, all that kind of stuff. Pack everything, load the van. I'm out the door by five thirty. I drop off Broderbull. I run to Carmel. I set up Carmel. I work Carmel. I pack up Carmel. I drive back to Broderbull. Pick up Broderbull. Go back to the shop and I relieve the staff who are there who are there till two. Um, and then I close the shop and then because I'm apparently stupid, I also teach a lot of classes at my <laughs> shop. So like yesterday I had a class from two thirty to five thirty. Um, so I literally, you know, between Friday and Saturday, I worked, you know, from, from one to noon or I probably left around one and then nine o'clock until six o'clock the next night. How is doing, um, classes at your shop versus doing classes involved <laughs> with the university? Um, in terms of like the technique, you know, with the principles, I mean, that's exactly the same. You know, what I would teach um, a student is what I would teach, you know, at my shop. The biggest difference is when I taught in, you know, I had Art Institute and Ivy Tech, I always felt, and maybe not rightfully so, but I always felt it was my job to treat a student as I would an employee. Because if your plan is to work in the industry, mm. you need to be, you need to understand what that's like to work in the industry. Right. Um, as opposed to classes in my shop, it's a lot of folks who just want to learn how to make macarons. Or mm. you know, yesterday's class was breakfast bread, so we did muffins, yeah. muffins, biscuits, um, scones, and a crumb cake. Is it more so, teaching <laughs> hard skills versus trying to mold somebody into a yeah. good employee? Yeah, yeah, you know, and and, and you know, I think some students hated that about me. I mean, it was funny because I think I think for the most part, I have a very good relationship with the vast majority of former students. There's a couple who just plum hate me. And I'm okay with that. You know, I'm okay with that. Um, you you don't hate me. We're good friends. Yeah. Right? yeah. So we have a good relationship. You know, Tanya Tanya Smith has been my head baker at the, at the shop for quite some time. She's been with me for more than 10 years. And she was a student of mine at, at the Art Institute. And I knew she was wicked talented the first time I had her in class. And I knew I wanted her. So we hired her part-time. She worked part-time for me, did her internship, moved into a sous chef role. Um, when we opened the bread kitchen, she runs that show. I don't have a clue what they do on the bread side. I mean, she... <laughs> She's brilliant, um, does an amazing job. Um, she's got that Da Vinci brain where she kind of does left brain, right brain. Mm. So she decorates too, and she does, she's very creative. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, it's, it's Wild very driver. different. Huh? Wild driver. She used to give me rides home. Oh, is she? From culinary school. It scared the shit out of me every time, yeah. No, she did she's, She whip around traffic. <laughs> wow. She lived in Atlanta, you know, with her folks after she moved from Wisconsin. So that's probably why. Oh. Atlanta uh, drivers. Yeah. We know. Always, <laughs> always got me home safe. There you go. <laughs> that's so funny. She's she's awesome. I, could, I literally, if Tanya left me, I would shut down. I don't know. I would function without mm-hmm. her. She's, she's brilliant. And I'm so appreciative of her. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So originally, 
Thad. Uh, so Chris King was the co-host. Mm-hmm. So Thad became like my uh, guest liaison. Okay. So a lot of times, like you know, I'm sitting there cooking, and so it would just be like an awkward. Either the person would be sitting there by themselves, or just out there with Chris King. And Chris King pretty much just ask all the normal interview quite like. Where do you work? Because like he, 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 a lot of times he right. won't know the guest, right. so he'll just be like, and I'm like, save it for the podcast, save it for the podcast. But then Thad would come in and you know not ask normal questions, right. <laughs> like which is good, you know, he just like, hey, what, what, you're like, what do you think of this song or whatever? And then all of a sudden it was just like, <laughs> what do you think of this song? That's my question. But it, but like then he's putting in like this full hour with the guest. And then leaving and not part of the podcast oh, at funny. all. People were like, "I thought this was, I thought this was the guy." Um, so yeah, so it's 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 very fun. And then um, today he got really excited about the gin cocktails. Um, yeah, yeah, and like you gin think, will get you. Is that what they say? Gin will get you. I don't know you? if they say that or not. <laughs> <laughs> they, I just said it though. So it they called the sneaky booze. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then that's what it was. Like I think there's. Keep going. You're such a troll at heart. <laughs> and it's plug your ears. Fuck you. <laughs> I'll say that. I'll <laughs> Screw you. We were uh we were waiting for a party to start. Uh it was a uh, going away party for one of our friends on Friday and we started talking about you know the syncing up the um, Wizard of Oz, the dark side of the moon. Uh, Pink Floyd. No, but you okay. heard that. No. So it was. I think apparently, if you start the was the movie The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, on the second roar of the, the MGM se- Lion. Yeah, the second roar of the MGM Lion of Dark Side of the Moon of Pink Floyd. It like lines up pretty well. Dark so okay. Side of Oz. I just finally. I was telling him earlier, Azad, that, that I just finally watched The Wizard of Oz as a full-grown adult, maybe six, seven years ago, because it wow. terrified me as a child. Mm. So I couldn't put those two together to save my life. I was. Uh, they, they made a sequel to The Wizard of Oz called Return to Oz in the eighties, mm-hmm. and it is nightmare fuel, horrifying. It is not. Really? It it's, is not even close to a children's movie. There's a flying couch. They rip up the scarecrow. Oh, uh, rip up the scarecrow. Yeah, there's a there's pieces. a an evil queen who uh, removes her head and has a, a room full of just different heads she could put really? on. Oh yeah, I forgot about. Yeah, that. yeah. Dorothy gets sent to Oz by uh, electroshock therapy from an insane asylum. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, no that's not a movie. That's not a sequel. That's just a messed up. It was amazing. Second, the, <laughs> is, is that canon? Is this canon? I think it is canon. Uh, I that was. <laughs> I got in trouble because I threw a fit in the theater and I was like, I do not want to be here. I do not want to watch this. And I started crying and like, you know, like my mom didn't have a lot of money. So they go into like a movie. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. So it was basically like, like, I can't believe you cried and had to leave this movie. We spent all this good money. and You can't even sit there and watch this movie. I'm like, People are taking their heads off. Okay, I'm not okay with that this. That's funny. I've Wait, never heard of that. Were you, uh, were you 17? How old <laughs> <Yeah>. were you? <laughs> it was last week. <laughs> Hi, and welcome back to the Harder Brunch Podcast. Uh, Chef Cindy, i got to tell you, uh, it's, always, it's always a little bit nerve-wracking to cook for other chefs. And it's always an especial of your, my former teacher. <laughs> But I, I think in class, too, I was like, oh, I'm used to getting judged by her. So. <laughs> well, I don't cook, so I greatly appreciate people who cook me real food. 
So if my husband's out of town, I would always get on Facebook and be like, okay, who do I know who's working online tonight who will take care of me at dinner because I need some food? Usually we have like a, a really strong theme sometimes. Uh, this week, I really just wanted to make kind of like comfort brunch foods. Like we kind of, sometimes we get, we take brunch to the extreme okay. and we get away from the real traditional stuff. And so I kind of wanted to come back to that and really just kind of execute some really fun I kind loved of it. traditional it stuff. There were no mushrooms and there was no peanut butter. So I was, I was in it to win it. Although yeah. the deviled eggs threw me because I've never, I'm telling you, I've never had a deviled egg in my entire life. And I did eat half of a deviled egg today. So that's like a big step. I'm 52 and I just ate my first deviled egg. Hey! I didn't care for it so much, but just because I don't like egg whites. But, you Wizards know. There's a picture and it'll be uploaded on the Instagram. There you go. I know he took a picture of me taking my first bite. So my husband won't believe I'm eating a deviled egg. I was going to say, like, how pissed is your husband? He's like, I go over there and eat deviled eggs. Right? No, he totally will. He says it all the time. You know, he would say that if we did it recess. You know, he'd like, Greg tells you to try this and you'll eat it. I'm like, I know, but it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't used to eat tomatoes, like just tomatoes. Like, yeah. like you know, I like tomato things. I like ketchup. I like salsa. I mm-hmm. like tomato sauce. I like whatever. But like a tomato on a sandwich, I yeah. never got the joy of that. I never. And I grew. You know, when I grew up, we were. You know, we weren't wealthy people. We grew every. You know, we grew corn, green beans, tomatoes. But I never really ate them. Mm-hmm. And um, and a number of years ago at, at um, room four, Greg was doing, um, and he loved Indiana tomatoes and. Um, did this beautiful tomato salad and I, out of the blue I said to Roger oh I think I'm going to get that tomato salad and he was like what? <laughs> and I ever since then I've been like the biggest tomato fan now and I love them so, <sighs> but I was probably 46 I don't know I can, I, can, I can get down on a tomato almost any way but people that will like you know just slice a tomato and eat it mm-hmm. I'm, I have no interest in that I could I could do that now. I couldn't have done that, you know, six seven years ago. That's how we always have them, at, at, like growing up. Yeah, like that's still at my dad's house. If we go over there, we have just, just eat a little salt on it. Yeah, a little salt. Yeah, sliced tomatoes. Yeah. That's what my mom would do. She would just slice, and that's how she always ate them. But I never, I never got that. Is that a very yeah. country thing to do, though? Salt and tomato. I don't know. I don't know. My, I just knew what my some mom of my did. family would put uh, sugar. Sugar. Oh, yeah, yeah I know mm. people do that, too, yeah. You I heard think of, my mom's salt. Have you heard of salt on watermelon, anybody? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> when I saw that, I thought that was wild. Like, what yeah. are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I was telling uh, Zach earlier, like, I think my family all kind of undersalted stuff mm. growing up. And Mine the, did not. That was <laughs> that was a big thing when I went to culinary school was every almost everything when it came back was, like, just more salt. More was like, more yeah. salt? Okay, so right. now uh, I've got so used to... I oversalt past what I feel in oh, my brain really? is, and and, yeah. and then it comes out in the wash. I love I love that salty flavor, and I love black pepper. I mean, I could put black pepper on it. Like, if, literally, if I'm eating like French fries with ketchup, I pour a bunch of black pepper in the ketchup. But on tomatoes, I love them. I've never tried it, but I'm going to now. It's good. You just got free tomatoes uh, from our neighbors, so Ooh. I think we used one for the for the. For the Huevos Rancheros. Oh, that was so good. Oh, you didn't ask me about that. And we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a loner tomato. I was supposed to give it back. <laughs> I ate uh, it. It was very good. So the next, the next course was the crab cakes. Um, very simple. Very good. Very simple. Oh, my gosh. Those were good. Like, honestly, like, the presentation, like, was fine. 
Like, <laughs> I will say that, like, oh, but it, like, the guy who's been asleep half the podcast is throwing zingers at me. Now. <laughs> hey, 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 whoa. Hey, but listen, like, I, I was like, is this a salmon patty? I didn't know what it was. And then we put it in our mouths, and everybody's Everybody, eyes got yeah. big. And we're like, wait, this is, this is not your normal crab good. cake. This crab cake takes you to a different world like we were closing our yeah. eyes it was good. while we're eating it yeah. it was it was a, an experience well, one of the yeah. girls was saying she goes oh i don't even like crab cakes but wow this is good yeah so it was she ate the whole thing yeah yeah so what i'm saying is the presentation <laughs> kind of undersold would you agree uh, I, I didn't care about the presentation because i love crab cakes and i knew it was a crab cake so right, i didn't okay. care what it looked like i mean right. but it was lovely it was a, not that it wasn't a lovely presentation mike no but, i thought we were um, gonna agree well no, you guys can I, go I'm to sorry. instagram <laughs> and judge <laughs> for yourself we post these crab cakes it was very i love crab cakes it was very good um <laughs> and i think i don't know if this is a controversial take but I think a good crab cake should stand up by itself. Like, it shouldn't need a sauce. Controversial. Like a, no, no. Like a good you're crab wrong. cake. I wouldn't no, I say you're wrong, you. but you are. It should, wait, wait, time out. should have everything in there. Zach, you're wrong. This did not need <laughs> any sauce at all. Like, like there's leaves and crab cake. And leaves that's what we and ate. crab cake. That's what we ate. But did you have one with sauce on it? What sauce did you put on it? There wasn't any, so you wouldn't know if there would be better. But <laughs> Doggone it. He's right in this sense. <laughs> But I, but but in my mind, in my mind, I I wasn't thinking. You know what would make this better? This delicious thing, manna from heaven. No, you're right. You're right. That would just be ungrateful. But I'm saying now that I've said it, you're like, eh, we would be right. Yeah, I'm sure you can make a a good sauce. Well, so then it it might, you know, look good too. (laughs) Whatever. Wouldn't have had that presentation problem that you kept bringing up. Would almost put him off. (laughs) Fine. Crab cakes and leaves. Crab cakes and leaves. Huevos Rancheros, which is my very favorite thing about Huevos Rancheros is I've never had it prepared the same way twice. Like anytime I go to a grocery grocery store, anytime I go to a restaurant or whatever and order it, it's a little bit different. Like sometimes it's it's uh, more chips. I've had it uh, uh, served like scrambled egg style, um, elaborate sauces. And stuff, but it, it's always like all the good parts of Mexican food that I want plus an egg. Yeah. So it's it's always I think probably one of my favorite uh, brunch things. Did you marinate the meat? <laughs> I didn't. I, I did not. I did not marinate that meat, but that was um, uh, pulled pork from Gomez Barbecue okay. that was on there. Shout out Gomez Barbecue. Shout out Gomez Barbecue. <laughs> and then great. one of my favorite one of my favorite uh, brunch items. Always is steak and eggs. Uh, I love sometimes. Are you are you are you a fan of the steering on Tenth? Uh, I'll be honest. I've never been there. Mm. My sister lives in Irvington and is a fan. Um, but I, in all the years I've lived here, I've never eaten there. And I lived in Irvington for a hot minute, but I've never eaten there. You gotta go. It's a staple. It's um, it's great hangover. Food. Yeah. Uh, I get up too early. I don't get to have hangover. Uh, you can, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they actually they have like great. I always get breakfast food, but they have great night food. Yeah, they have great regular uh, food there. But like, uh, I love doing the steak and eggs there. Um, but what I did was a uh, a sous vide, mm. uh, sous vide that steak with uh, it was a sous vide ribeye, and then reverse seared it. it so was great. Uh, <coughs> got into an argument with Zach over. If a, if a if a reserve uh, reverse sear is actually a thing or not, which it is, I think you it can is. look it up. <laughs> I think yeah. it is. Yeah. He said that, that was just a, that because was a you take. seared it second, 
that that means it's not reverse. Yeah. And I said that's the whole reason they call it a reverse. Here. I don't know. Yeah, that falls yeah. in that cooking side. Yeah, that I don't really yeah. know. So reverse here is a, a double seared steak. It's not double. See, what he's doing is he's taking my uh, argument from earlier and using it against me. <laughs> uh, but no, it's just you sear it afterwards. So you cook the steak and this you reverse sear it afterwards. So you cook the steak to the entirety and then you sear it afterwards. Otherwise, it would just, just a regular sear though. It would be kind of like a as regular opposed to sear. searing a steak before and then finishing off in the oven. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. okay. absolutely. Uh, but I think my favorite, I think my favorite way to cook steak now is that sous vide machine. Yeah, because you like I had to get I had to get up early this morning. And uh, run to Gomez because he has the vac sealer. Oh, yeah. And so I took my steak, <laughs> went to Gomez. First thing in the morning, he's, like, opening up. And I was like, I got to vac seal this. And just do some butter and some garlic and some salt and pepper in there and and sealed it up. And then, yeah, you just throw that, throw it in there and... Uh, Let it be. Set it and forget it. And then I could cook everything else while that stuff was sous vide. And it just uh, came out per- uh, perfect. And then there was the... Other steak, the there was kind of like the more like the sirloin roast, and that was the oh, one. Oh, I that, didn't even realize that you did two different steaks. Yeah, and I ate both of them. Which one had the, um, the chimichurri? Yeah, that, that was, was the second yeah, one. Yeah, one had more fat in it. Is that correct? Ribeye. Yeah, I do know that. The yeah, one that came out on the on the cutting board. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. I think that was the ribeye. Yeah, no, that I didn't realize that was a like a sirloin roast. Like that was so tender. I thought it was a little like a fillet that you were cutting there. Yeah, no, it, and like, and I was almost like, I was like touching it first, and I was like, this is like, this is too rare. I thought it was too, but I forget with the sous vide, it's so soft. Yeah, it was great. And so I was like searing the sides of it, and I was just like, gonna, I just thought I was going to cut open, it was just going to like still be mooing, but no, it turned out pretty good. <laughs> Very good. And then the, uh, the, the, the hardest part, cooking a dessert for baking a pastry chef. So normally I would have Bridget Horan, friend of the show, uh, do a dessert, um, and if I do a dessert, I try to just do something real simple, <laughs> real safe. Uh, but yeah, I made a bread pudding, and if you awesome. are a fan of the show, you know my love for Symphony chocolate bars from Hershey. And I think we said, I, you know, it it we've said this before, but I feel like I should reiterate because somebody asked me what the difference is between a Symphony bar and a Hershey bar. And I, I think I misspoke because I just, or I said that it was, uh, it's the same ingredients, uh, but it's it's the same ingredients as a Hershey bar, but in different proportions. Oh, there's more milk in it, right? Yeah. Well, and then and then they and then the blue one adds the toffee. Right. I like that you took the the Symphony bar, which sounds really elegant, and made as elegant of a chocolate garnish on top of the <laughs> bread pudding. Uh, it was really impressive because it looked a little more like you disguised it like it was poop, yeah. which no one expects when they're eating food. Wait, you thought it was poop? Initially, I was curious. I didn't say it out loud because I thought we were just going to, you know, yes and it. <laughs> Chocolate bars apparently don't make the best. Uh, they don't melt down into the best sauces. I no. found that out. Yeah, but it was um, very good. Yeah, I love me some bread pudding. So. so if you were eating like blindfolded, that would have been a great dessert. That would have been a good you know, it all comes back to plating, the plating issues that you brought up earlier. Thad wanted me to bring this one up. He <laughs> said he took too much heat for the last one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah, so let's get, I like, yeah, the first dish, you're like, I don't like deviled eggs. Like, oh, my God. I know. I felt so bad. But I tried it. 
You did. It was great. Like, we were proud of See? you. And I, uh, the yolk part of it, I would probably have been down with. I was joking you could eat it like a dip, like, you know, dip crackers in it. But the whole egg white aspect, I have such issue with. No, after, I know. I just don't get it. I don't know. After I set down the crab cakes, I went to the back. I was like, how did you uh, pick two things in a row she didn't like? Oh, no, I love crab <laughs> cakes. No, I was just yeah. messing with it. Oh, did you? Oh, you're so bad. Oh, no. like, I don't believe you. <laughs> no. I know he's a troll. That's so funny. Oh, um, no, I'm happy to eat when people cook for me because I'm not going to do it myself. So That's always a weird thing that, like, like just, you know, being a culinary school, I'd never call myself a chef, but, like, uh, just being a culinary school graduate, sometimes people, like, they'll cook something and be like, oh, don't judge me too hard, chef. And right. I'm just like, well, I went to school because I like food. Dude, you know that my one of my favorite, like, guilty pleasure dessert things, and it's a Little Debbie oatmeal cream pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Freaking love those things. Like every now and then, if you're getting gas and you actually have to go into the gas station and you see that display, yeah. you got to buy one. Especially if they have the double stack one, you're like, yes, I love me some little Debbie oatmeal green pie. So I'm, I'm yeah. not, I'm not that snobby person. Is a dangerous woman, right? Yeah, but Dude. you also have made uh, uh, oatmeal cream pie from scratch before. Yes. And that ruined me for yeah. little Debbie's oatmeal cream really? pie. Yeah, I was like, I didn't know it. In the cream. Like hot oatmeal. It was like I'm picturing it coming right out of the oven Just being nice and hot and it was like, Have you ever seen an oatmeal cream, cream pie? The oatmeal cream pie yeah. Ooh, Just nice and hot <laughs> What are you talking you got, about? You got oatmeal <laughs> on the top With the cream in the middle A nice scorching bowl of <laughs> nice oatmeal and, cream pie you Gotta have it nice and hot you don't know. You don't know. I'm no, talking. Don't you don't like hot food. Who doesn't like hot food? I do, but not for no milk cream pie. Hot, hot desserts, hot brownies. What? Yeah, yeah. Put some ice cream on it. Let it melt. Ice yeah. cream. Yeah. Same thing with the oatmeal cream pie. Nice I've never thought of an oatmeal cream pie in that respect before, but. Wow. I don't think anyone what? has. What's the problem? <laughs> What's the problem with the temperature? I feel like you guys are gonna be like I'm crazy. <laughs> If you don't like, okay, listen. If you guys are listening right now, <laughs> maybe if you would have said freshly baked, that would have seemed was. It sounded like a big hot bowl of oatmeal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you kind of threw oh, me a little bit. I think there's someone at the door. Okay, well, we'll continue with the podcast if you want to go. Okay, I'll we'll do that. Th- <laughs> well, all I want you guys to remember is the hot oatmeal from the oatmeal hot pile of oatmeal. Gosh, pie sandwich. I'm going to be very honest with you. I've microwaved my oatmeal cream pies. The double stuffed, the double stuffed. And this is the thing that. you're doing on a regular basis. Like hot oatmeal pies is a thing that's not a all the time. No, not <laughs> Just if my, you're feeling special. Not in my thirties. Not in my thirties. <laughs> not in my thirties. No. <laughs> I, want, I, I do kind of want to try it now. Yeah, it's good. I feel like the, I feel like the cream would just ooze out though if you got too well, hot. Well, it's probably like all shortening base. So oh, you can overdo it. You can no, you can overdo it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I want to tell you guys right now, you could overdo it, and that's not a fat McKee stamp. But when it's perfect, hot is so good. All right, I'll be back. What if you just like leave oatmeal cream pies out in the car for a few days? Yeah, the same kind then, of thing, and then eat it off the dashboard. <coughs> okay, I see you guys are making a laugh, a ha ha, out of this, out of my love of taste. I thought this was a food podcast, not a gotcha podcast. I'm out. Speaking of hot things that aren't supposed to be hot, I had a bunch of vitamins melt down into a uh, container in my car. That can happen. Yeah, like, the, like gummy vitamins or regular vitamins. Yeah, they were gummy vitamins. Oh, yeah. They all yeah. became like one slanted gummy <laughs> in the bottom. 
excuse me. <laughs> I feel like they pair up against a uh, you know a nice warm oatmeal cream pie. What are your What are your favorite desserts to to consume? Um, I really like fruit things, um, tart skeletons, um, apple pie. Um, I'm not a huge chocolate person. Um, I like chocolate just fine, and as a kid, chocolate was my go to. Um, but ordering a chocolate dessert isn't a huge draw for me. Mm-hmm. Um, well done ice cream, I really like. Um, we just had some really awesome ice cream over at Tinker Street. It was a the My Dad Sweet Corn. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made ice cream with it, and I was so inspired. I picked up an extra dozen this week to grab, and we're going to do some. We've done a My Dad's uh, Sweet Corn creme brulee before. Oh, nice. Um, so we're going to do an ice cream base, too, and kind of play around with that. But um, I love carrot cake. I like getting carrot cake at other places to compare it to our carrot cake, because mm-hmm. I absolutely love our carrot cake. Yeah. Um, I feel like the trick is in the... Icing of carrot cake. Uh, cream, I mean, cream cheese icing is not hard to make. It's what to me. It's what you put in that cake. Like, um, I hate I hate baked raisins. Mm. I find no value in baked raisins. Okay. Now I love. We do a pan of raisin, which is. Um, what if it's soaked in whiskey? Ooh, I ain't like anything soaked in whiskey. So yeah. <laughs> um, no, we do pan of raisin, but there are sultanas. They're the golden raisins, mm-hmm. and they bake completely differently than like regular mm. like black raisins. Like we do an oatmeal cherry cookie because I yeah. don't like raisins, and the idea of an oatmeal che- oatmeal raisin cookie is of not of interest to me. Um, well, do you serve that oatmeal cookie, Pipe and Hut? <laughs> do not. <laughs> we could throw that back in the microwave for a couple minutes. I think for you. Um, okay, okay. Throw a little cream in there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but, I, I leave for um, a second. You guys are still <laughs> chomping on me. We no. have not stopped. All right. I'm sorry. I didn't get my degree in cooking food. Good. <laughs> Bastards. Aww. You poor thing. Um, really, I mean, I, I, I'm not. You know, we have the sign in our shop that says "Life Short, Eat Dessert First. I'm not a picky. Mm-hmm. person um, when it comes to dessert other than peanut butter. I don't want anything peanut butter. Um, but, you know, I like to try different things. and um, But really, probably fruit desserts I lean to personally to enjoy. So uh, I like I like when the like the seasonal desserts pop up, like yeah. the, the Paris breast. Um, nope. <laughs> no. Well, I love that dessert. I wouldn't put that in. It's it's hazelnut. I wouldn't put it in a seasonality kind of thing. That's yeah. really well, interesting. Does, so. Doesn't it have like a day? Like it has a day, right? Like Bastille Day is when they they typically. Oh, burn. no. I mean, it's it was named for a bike race between Paris and Brest, France. Yeah. So it's pas de choux, it, but it's, you know, it's not. Um, oh, I thought they ate it on a, on a certain day. No, not that I'm aware of. I've never heard no. that before. I knew the bike race, but I guess yeah. I was wrong with that. Maybe there's like an anniversary of the race or something. I don't know. I'll do a little research and find out. I don't know. Stay Uh, stay tuned. Listen for next time. (laughs) Paris breast. What is it? What is it? The dessert? Yeah. It's, um, are you familiar with like cream pots or eclairs? Not at all. No, you do. Eclairs? Like, is it, is it chocolate? Well, that people call them chocolate eclairs, but they're typically just like dipped in chocolate okay. or like cream pots. So it's called patashu. It's a, a cooked dough that you pipe and bake. Um, so it's baked into a, a, a ring. So it's a, like a bike, or like a, a wheel, a tire, mm-hmm. and then it's got hazel or um, almond sprinkled on top. And then after it's baked, you slice it on the horizon and you fill it with this amazing um, hazelnut buttercream pastry cream mixture. Ooh. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love you, it. We do you, it at the shop. You do at the shop. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we're going to the shop. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I, I do love it. It's that a really good great. one. Yeah, it's a really good one. What is the common uh, misconception between? Uh, uh, macaroons, macrons. <laughs> <laughs> macrons, he's the president. Of. <laughs> yeah, macron. <coughs> macaroons. And macarons. Um, macaroons, 
with the two O's would be the coconut cookie that um, people like will dip into chocolate, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, macarons are the French meringue cookie. Parisian macarons are the ones you see around. Um, there's different versions of different varieties of macarons, but the Parisian one is the one you, it's the trendy one now. Um, the only thing they have in common is egg whites. Mm. Um, and I, you know, people get so bent out of shape if people pronounce that wrong and stuff. And I'm like, I don't care. Call it, you know, I mean, my, one of my very favorite instructors I ever had was Stefan Glossier, who's one of the best, um, he's an MOF, he's one of the best pastry chefs in the world. And I had a, I took a macaron class with him a number of years after I graduated from school. And um, his book is even called Macaroon Swoon with two O's. And mm. I'm sure it's to go with the American swoon. But um, I'm like, well, Stefan Glossier is going to call it Macaroon Swoon. You know, you can't judge people, but people really do get bent out of shape sometimes, I think, if, you, if yeah. people pronounce it wrong. Yeah. I mean, I've even had customers, like a pair of people will come up together, and one of them will say, what kind of macaroons do you have? And the other one will be like, it's macaron. <laughs> you know, and like, correct their friend, and I'm like, back off, who cares? I knew what she meant, you know. Um, but it just, it, it's a meringue cookie made with almond flour traditionally, and filled and piped, and, you know, like a sandwich cookie. I, <laughs> I butcher French words all the time, and I just, I'm... Well aware my French grandma is just spinning in her grave every time yeah. I, I, mom, I say something My mom wrong. made us take French from seventh grade on through high school, and we wanted to take Spanish, and my mom made us take French, and I resented it, so I, like, chose, like, I consciously chose not to learn any French. <laughs> so I took, you know, what, six years of French, and kind of the my joke parting phrase leaving as a high school senior was me no speako Frencho. <laughs> And literally, I, I, I make I say this all the time. The only thing I really remember from high school French class, you know, the beginning of a chapter, yeah. they would have that little listening thing, and it would be écoutez et répétez, and then you'd listen and repeat. Right? This was me listen and repeat. And they, the only one I remember is bonjour Alice, bonjour Philippe, ça va? Oui, ça va. Et tu? Pas mal. That's it. That's all I remember from all my years of French. And so then I kick myself now because then I went to a French school, and I and some of my my. Favorite people in the world, some mentors of mine, you know, Chef Jackie and, you know, they're, so Chef Sebastian, they're French and, you know, they'd get hung up on a word every now and then, even though they've been in the States forever, they'd get hung up on a word and they'd be trying, and we'd be trying to like translate what the heck they were trying to think of. And I kick myself now, but I probably know more French now yeah. than I have. And, and part of it is just, you know, from pastry terms, but I've also been very fortunate to have gotten to go to France three times now. So um, my goal is every other year for the Coupe du Monde and the Sierra Food Show which we obviously didn't get to go to this year. So in twenty, what's that like? Oh, it's, it's heaven. It's just it's such a fun time, and um, we go to Lyon for the World Cup um, pastry competition. The Bocuse d'Or is all that time, um, and I have a great group that I travel with, and we spend about five days in Lyon, and then we all take off on our separate ways, and then I'll go to. Um, I always finish in Paris. I say always like I do this all the time. <laughs> um, in all my travels to France, I wish. Um, I'll end the trip in Paris, and I usually stay in the French, uh, in the Latin Quarter because I know I feel comfortable in that area. I feel I know where I'm at when I'm there, and I can kind of figure out where I'm going from there. But then I'll spend those couple days in between in a new area I haven't been. So, like, the first time I went to Alsace, and I was very fortunate, again, to take a class back up at the French Pastry School with Christine Ferber, who is just um, an amazing French pastry chef who is famous for her jams. And I love making jam. It's my very favorite thing. Um, one of my very favorite things. And so I got to go to her village in her pastry shop. And then this last time I went to Brittany so I could go to the um, home of the Queen Amon. We've been making Queen Amon's for about 12 years or so. And um, to get to go where that came from and, and discover Brittany a little bit. So, What uh, what was the thing? You showed some, uh, something in school where there was a competition that was in France and it was invite only. 
And uh, that's the MOF. That was that Chef Jackie and the um, the uh, Kings of Pastry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's the the MOF, the um, Millier d'Offre de France. It's the the best of the best of France, and you're invited. You have to be a French national. Um, you're invited by the president of France to compete for the title. So it's not a competition where like the four of us would be each competing for first, second, third, or fourth place. Yeah, it's you have to meet you're a certain standard competing to, to get to, it against a set of standards. Yeah, yeah. So this followed Chef to be Jackie. part of a club, basically. Yeah, yeah. So Chef Jackie, who is is one of one of the owners of the French Pastry School, and is just a, a very wonderful mentor of mine, and and um, I like to think a good friend um, of mine that um, it follows him on his journey for his MOF. And the documentary is brilliant, and I would assign it to classes um, as an extra. I'm not a big fan of extra credit, either do the work or don't do the work. But to me, this was such an important movie that I would give extra credit if people could re watch the film, watch the documentary, and then tell me how it affected you. Don't give me a book report. I know mm -hmm. the movie. I know what yeah. it's about. I wouldn't have recommended it if I didn't. Anxiety how, is one word. Yeah, yeah. But how, how did it affect you? You know, how do you feel differently about your career path? How do you feel this cemented to you? You've made the right choice in your career path. How did seeing what they do have some effect on you as a professional? Uh, well, I will say as an aspiring comedian, um, a lot of those chefs seem to be a glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they keep going back year yeah. after year. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely can uh, commune with that. Uh, Chef Cindy, where can people find you on social media and keep up with all the wonderful food that you're sure. making? Uh, our Instagram is just Circle City Sweets. Uh, Twitter is Circle City Sweet because I apparently screwed up and forgot the S at the end. Uh, and Facebook, you know, we've got all of our, our social media pages out there. And then we're located at the 16, uh, the Amp at 16 Tech and a lot of coffee shops downtown Indianapolis to Nordstrom to the Carmichael Hotel in Carmel. Uh, yeah, and like definitely check it out. Duck your head in the amp. It's a it's a cool place. I've only got to go over there a couple times, but I wanted to get. I've used your product on yeah. the on the show before. Oh, thank you. And um, I think I, I ran in right at close. <laughs> 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 like, what do you have that's left? Yeah. Um, well, thank you. But yeah, it's it's awesome over there and. Uh, Congratulations Thank and you. continued success. And I'm glad we finally got you on the program. I'm glad to have come. This was fun. Thaddeus J. Hey, you can find me at Thad McKee on Instagram. Um, Dyke and I have a show coming up here in a couple weeks in Bloomington. If you are uh, in Bloomington, will come, Cannon. Um, you can come out and watch a show. Um, it is going to be fun. Uh, I'll be headlining. Uh, Dyke will be featuring. And uh, we have Mr. Tabor. Um, who's going to be hosting it, and he's a great comic. Um, love that guy. Not going to use it. So we're going to have uh, a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, we're throwing a party, a secret party, coming up here soon. Sauce Boss Zach. Um, just follow me at Batchin02. That's all I got. All right. And uh, definitely uh, sign up for the Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Carter Brunch. You get uh, a bonus episode, all kinds of... Um, exclu exclusive content. Um, you never know. You never know. First prize, first first dibs on uh, some of our uh, events and prizes and stuff like that. Um, and guys, most importantly, make sure when you're eating those oatmeal cream pies that they're hot. <laughs> make them hot. <laughs> we'll see you next time.